again everyone and welcome back to The InDesigner, the video cast that provides information, instruction, and insight for designers using and learning Adobe InDesign. I'm your host Michael Murphy, graphic designer and Adobe certified expert in InDesign CS2. Well, the long document series is over and the hype of unveiling InDesign CS3 is dying down, so it's time to get back to the mission of the show, real-world practical examples of InDesign in action that will help you work better and faster. For the first time since I started the podcast, I have a choice to make. Now life is full of choices, paper or plastic, boxers or briefs, Ginger or Marianne. And now the choice is to continue the show with InDesign CS2 or InDesign CS3. Until people have had a little time to justify the expense to their bosses, then order, receive, and install the software, I'm not going to do entire episodes that focus only on new CS3 features. I know that this videocast has a large international audience that doesn't yet have the option to purchase CS3, so I'm not leaving the CS2 audience in the dust just yet. I'm going to use InDesign CS3 for all of my episodes and point out any feature that won't work in the old version, Wherever possible, I'll also suggest how to work around it in CS2. And as I go, I'll point out as many differences as I can where things are easier in CS3. In fact, this episode is about a feature that debuted in CS2 and works almost exactly the same in CS3. This is episode 40, Object Layer Options. If you use Photoshop, you know how big a role layers play in that application. They're how you manage the different elements in a Photoshop file, make image adjustments, and play around with different options. Since InDesign understands the native PSD file format, it stands to reason that it should also understand Photoshop layers, which it does. Using object layer options in InDesign, you can selectively show or hide not only the layers in your Photoshop file, but also its layer comps if you use that feature. As I've mentioned before, and I'm sure I will again, I usually have to work with little more than an idea and a computer to do my job. And I recently did an entire magazine feature by taking the artwork from this opening spread and using pieces of it for the header graphic on all subsequent pages, the sidebar backgrounds and the spot images of this button on this spread, and here again on the last spread. This compensated for the fact that there weren't many other photos to work with. It saved me time and gave the feature a unified appearance, and I did it all using object layer options. I spent most of my upfront time in Photoshop bringing this panic button idea to life for the opening spread, so let's take a look at the artwork itself. I'll option double click the image, that's alt double click on the PC, to open the original in Photoshop CS3. Next, I'll open up the Layers panel and shut off all of the layers first so that you can see that I've built this image with separate layers for the concrete wall in the back, the headline, the yellow and black caution bars, the backing plates, screws, curved type, posts, and button caps. I actually did this before I knew I was going to use object layer options in InDesign. It's just the way I like to work on images like this in Photoshop. You might also notice that the image is much taller here than it is in the layout. Since I created all of this on the computer, why not give myself the option of shifting the artwork up or down on the page, just in case I need to. So now that you know how the image layers are set up in Photoshop, let's see how they're all put to use in InDesign. I'm going to open an unfinished version of the feature to recreate the steps that I took. On the opening spread, there's nothing to do but place the Photoshop file contingencybuttons.txt. PSD. 
And here's where we see a little CS3 feature I like a lot, an image preview on the place cursor. I'll drag out a graphic frame that covers my entire spread, and the image is placed. I just need to reposition the art in the frame. Another great new feature in CS3 is that I can just double-click the frame to switch to the Direct Selection tool, then move the image up inside the frame. Double-clicking again returns me to the Selection tool. In this instance, the image uses all of its layers, so I'm done here. But let me just show you one thing before I move on. With the image selected, I'll Control-click on it, that's right-click on the PC, and choose Object Layer Options from the contextual menu to open up the Object Layer Options dialog box. You can also get to this dialog box from the Object menu. The Show Layers area lists all of my Photoshop layers, including the layer groups I created to organize them. Next to each is a visibility icon that I can use to hide or show any layer from that Photoshop file. In this case, they're all turned on because the opening spread uses every layer in the file. We'll come back to this dialog box again to get into more detail, but for now, I'll cancel out of it. Next, I want to use just the black and yellow caution bars from this image as a graphic header for the remaining pages in my document. I don't want to have to place it on every spread, so I'm going to place it on a master page. I'll go to the Pages panel and choose New Master from the panel menu. To keep things consistent, I'll base this New Master B on the existing A Feature Master page, so I can retain my master text frames and folios. On this new master page, I will place my image once again, but this time I'm not going to extend it all the way to the bottom of the page. Just about this far is good enough. I'm also going to move it up in the frame for now so we can see more of the different elements of the image. Again, I'll control click, that's right click on the PC, to access the object layer options dialog. I'll move this over to the side and check the preview box so you can see what's happening on the page as I go. For this image, all I want to see are the caution bars, so I'll turn off the visibility for the concrete, headline, back plates, screws, engraved type, metal posts, and button caps. And all I have left are the caution bars with their beveled edge and drop shadow at the bottom. Now before I go ahead and just click OK, I need to point out the Update Link Options area at the bottom of the dialog box. This is where you tell InDesign what to do if the original image gets modified. Keep Layer Visibility Overrides, or use Photoshop's Layer Visibility. Obviously, since I've gone through all the trouble to make these settings, I want to keep my Visibility Overrides, and that's the default setting in InDesign CS3. But in CS2, the default setting is Use Photoshop's Layer Visibility. So CS2 users need to change this to keep Layer Visibility Overrides before they click OK. Then I'll just shift up this part of the image in the frame to make it work as a header graphic and pull up the bottom of the image frame itself. To apply this master to all of the pages after the opening spread, I'll select them in the Pages panel and either go to the panel menu and choose Apply Master to Pages, or I can just Option click, that's Alt click on the PC, the name of the master page in the panel. Here's where the thumbnails in CS3 really come in handy. I don't even have to go to the pages themselves to show you that the header now appears on those pages. You can see it right here in the thumbnail. In CS2, I need only go to one of the document pages to see that master item added to it. 
I'm going to open up the links panel now and take a look at the two instances of this placed image. The first on page 36 looks like any other link in the list, but the second one on the B master page has this little eye icon next to it. That indicates that there's a layer visibility override on this instance of the linked image in my layout. That's a nice way of InDesign letting me know what's going on with the placed images in my file. One more thing to note before I continue, even though I'm just using a Photoshop image in this example, object layer options are not limited to Photoshop files. In both InDesign CS2 and CS3, you can take advantage of object layer options for both Photoshop files and layered PDFs. Unfortunately, CS2 does not understand native Illustrator layers. To take advantage of object layer options with an Illustrator file, you need to save it as a PDF and check Preserve Illustrator Editing Capabilities in the Save As dialog so you can keep going back and working on the file in Illustrator. InDesign CS3, however, does understand native Illustrator layers. Not only that, since CS3 allows you to place native InDesign files inside of other InDesign files, you can also use object layer options on placed INDD files. Now let's spruce up this sidebar. Right now there's a black fill in this frame, but I want to use the concrete texture from my Photoshop image for these sidebars. Selecting the frame, I will again do a File Place to place that same image. It comes in complete, so I'll control click again and choose Object Layer Options. This time I'll shut off everything but the concrete layer and click OK. Now I have my concrete texture, but it's a little too light for making this text readable. Rather than go back to Photoshop and make a darker version of it, I'm going to take advantage of that black fill that's in there, as well as InDesign's transparency capabilities. In CS2, I would open the Transparency palette to do this, but that's been replaced in CS3 with the Effects panel. Selecting the image, not the frame, I'll keep the blend mode for it at normal, but I'm going to take the opacity down to about 40%. This keeps that nice concrete texture in there, but it darkens it up by revealing 60% of the black fill in the frame, and now my text is perfectly legible. I have another sidebar that I want to do the same thing to, so I'm just going to copy this placed image out of the frame, go to the second sidebar on the last spread, select the other frame, and choose Edit, Paste Into. This preserves not only the layer visibility settings, but the transparency settings as well. Next, I want to place just the big red and green buttons by themselves without any of the other background art, and use those as accent images on these sidebars. Once again, I'll choose File Place and choose that same Photoshop file, but this time I'm going to check Show Import Options down here at the bottom of the Place dialog, then click Open. By doing this, I can set my object layer options before even placing the image on the page. All of the same options are here in the Image Import Options dialog box along with some color options and clipping path and alpha channel options. There's also a preview of the image displayed. For now, I'm just interested in the layers, so in this tab I'll shut off the concrete, headline, and caution bar layers. My changes are even reflected in the preview. So now, when I click OK, even my place cursor tries to show me just the visible layers, but it's not perfect. When I click and place the image, notice that the image frame is the size of the entire image, not just the visible portions. That's just how this feature works. Since I'm actually placing the whole image, I'm just not showing all of it. 
I'm going to scale this down to about 40% and bring in the frame edges to show only the red button and its shadow. And I'll move it into position on the page where I want it. Next, I'll open up the text wrap panel. Click the wrap around object shape button, then choose Photoshop path from the contour options type. With that selected, I get a second menu of all the paths that are in my Photoshop document. There are two paths in this image, which you see here. I'll choose the red button path, and you can see that path controlling the text wrap for this image. Now I'll just move it into the proper position on the sidebar. That's just how I want it now, so I can copy this red button and go to the other sidebar on the second spread and paste it there. I'll open up the frame to reveal all of the visible art, then recrop it to only show the green button and its shadow. In the text wrap panel, I'll switch from the red button path to the green button path, which you can see around the image now. I'll just move it into position over the sidebar, and I'm done. To make sure the drop shadow in the image doesn't rasterize my text, I'll move this button art down to a layer below my text. And I'll go back to the last spread and do the same thing for the button image on that sidebar. So now I have one image used six times in the same file, but with different layers showing to achieve different results and a different look. And it was all achieved using object layer options. Before I wrap this episode up, there's one more thing you need to know. If you delete, add, or rename layers in your placed file, you will probably see an alert dialog like this when you try to update the link. If you do, you'll have to go in and re-establish your object layer options everywhere the object is placed. When the layer structure of the original image has changed significantly, it can be very difficult for InDesign to know exactly how to handle that, so it puts the responsibility back on you. It's good to be back to the heart of the show again. Before I go, I have one little bit of business to talk about. I hear from a lot of people that I meet at conferences, chat with online, and receive emails from that they're very grateful for the videos and for my help with their InDesign problems. Some of them have even suggested that I charge for the show, which I don't think will ever happen. And some have suggested that I put up a donate button for people who are willing to show some support for my efforts. I feel kind of uncomfortable even bringing it up because this always was and still is a volunteer effort on my part that I'm happy to do. But there are hosting fees and other expenses involved with keeping the show going, so I finally listened to my audience and decided to at least give people the option to show some financial support if they're so inclined. You can make a donation via PayPal by going to www.theindesigner.com donate and clicking the Make a Donation button. InDesignSecrets.com has put up its own donate button, but that's to support the blog and David and Anne-Marie's audio podcast. This is a separate one for my videocast. It's totally optional, and I assure you, nothing about the show is going to change if nobody wants to make a donation. But if people want to give, who am I to say no? If you want to learn more about InDesign CS3, I wrote a complete product review of the new version on creativepro.com, so go to that site and look under the reviews section for that. It's an in-depth look at the major changes, complete with screen captures and my opinions on what's great, what's missing, and what could be better. Also, we're now just one month away from the InDesign conference in New York City from June 4th through June 7th, where I'll be presenting three sessions. For more information on that event, go to www.idconference.com. 
I'll be back in about two weeks with another episode. In the meantime, feel free to post your comments and questions about this or any other episode on the blog at InDesignSecrets.com slash TheInDesigner. Send an email to info at TheInDesigner.com or look for me on AIM or iChat as TheInDesigner. Until next time, this is Michael Murphy for the InDesigner Videocast and InDesignSecrets.com. Thanks for watching.